I found this story very interesting. It is about Canada, Canada's Senate, which aren't always the two words that make people want to listen to something. But it's important, especially if you're in a province where you don't have your full complement of senators these days. The Senate is nearly 20% vacant these days because the Prime Minister has allowed some seats to go unfilled, in some instances for years at a time. Turns out of the 105 seats in the Upper House, 17 are unoccupied. Some provinces, um, most of them west of Quebec, BC is one of them, have been left without representation they are entitled to uh, under the Constitution. Four more senators are slated to retire in the next year when they hit that mandatory retirement age of 75. In fact, the Senate hasn't had a full complement of senators since late 2018. It's been nearly a year now since the last senators were named back in July of 2021. The only province that is fully represented, it turns out, is Quebec, with all 24 of its seats currently filled. Well, joining me now to explain why this matters, why it should matter to you, and what the impact is, is Paul Thomas. He's a professor emeritus of political science at the University of Manitoba and a longtime Senate watcher. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Pleased to be with you. So I'm not sure many Canadians are even aware of what's happened uh, over the past few years to the Senate, but uh, there is an awful lot of vacancies right now. Uh, Just how many and what's going on? Yeah, well, I think there are 17 vacancies currently, which is almost uh, 20% of the membership. So obviously, uh, the government has not gotten around to using the rather elaborate procedure that it established to fill vacancies when they arose in all of the different provinces and territories. And it obviously, in a very busy time with major issues like the pandemic, uh, the war in the Ukraine and uh, inflation uh, and affordability issues and so on, this has taken very much a back burner for the current uh, Trudeau government. Still, there is an impact here because it is representation. And I gather that the, the vacancies aren't necessarily, I mean, while it's widespread, some provinces are, are, have less representation in the Senate than others right now. Yeah, I would start by observing that the Senate is a more useful institution than most Canadians give it credit for. Secondly, I would say that the reforms that Trudeau introduced, beginning when he was in opposition in third place in the House of Commons, by dropping senators from the National Liberal Caucus, and then when he became Prime Minister in 2016, creating a new appointment procedure, which was intended to make the Senate more independent and nonpartisan, Those changes have actually improved the Senate, but the current situation where they're failing to fill vacancies in a number of provinces, including major provinces like British Columbia and Ontario and so on, means that the Senate's role as a source of regional representation, as a source of sober second thought on legislation, is being impaired. uh, Senate leaders will tell you that they're still doing a good job, but they're not doing as good a job as they could if they had the full complement of senators. And vacancies have been allowed to arise in the past under uh, Prime Minister Harper in his time in office as part of his strategy to substitute an elected Senate, he allowed vacancies to rise to the number of 22, if I recall correctly. And that really handicapped the Senate in terms of performing the different activities that it undertakes. And I particularly mention among the activities, the conduct of inquiries by Senate committees, which in my opinion is the most valuable work done by the Senate, not just examining bills, but looking at future 
potential legislation and giving advice to the bureaucracy and to ministers about where they could improve things. And that medium range advice on future policy often has a greater chance of being accepted by governments than attempts to amend legislation for which the prime minister's reputation, the minister's reputation, and even the bureaucracy's re reputation may be attached. They don't like to be told they got it wrong and be forced to change their mind. Yeah, I mean, people who, who might know this, if you've ever witnessed a Senate committee on any number of issues over the years, they do do very good work. And, and it is free of some of the, a bit of the, obviously free a bit of, of a bit of the politics, but also free of some of the spotlight. Uh, so they do do a lot of good work that, that honestly flies under the radar a lot of the time. What has been the impact, uh, do you think, of these vacancies, especially given uh, that there are regional differences? You mentioned BC. I know that a lot of this is happening west, uh, west of Ontario or west of, I guess, Quebec's the only place that has a full complement of senators right now? Well, the, the, the composition of the Senate under the new Trudeau procedures is changed. So the, the only remaining partisan group are the Conservative Party of Canada members of the Senate, and they still attend national caucus. But if the liberal senators, or I'm sorry, the independent senators uh, that might have been liberals in the old days, don't go to aren't in cabinet and don't go to caucus. The only chance they have is to exercise indirect influence by studying bills, uh, warning the government about some dangerous features of bills or features that don't command support in their part of the country that they come from, and using their pressure on ministers and on government to uh, uh, accept amendments. Uh, and the committee system is almost shut down now, so they're not doing the studies that I mentioned previously. So it, it is a loss of input from the various regions across the country. And that's central to the role of the original role of the Senate, as uh, described in the Constitution and the constitutional discussions when the country was founded. Uh, and for many Canadians, it won't be seen as a great loss to hear an academic from the middle of the country say that the Senate is not performing as well as it should or it could if it had a full complement of members. But the fact is, that is another source to as check and balances on the ever-increasing power of the Prime Minister. Even under this Prime Minister Trudeau, as opposed to the previous Prime Minister Trudeau, the, the power of the prime minister's office is great. And they put in place this new procedure, which meant there is no longer a predictable government majority in the Senate. The, the new Senate under the Trudeau reforms amends bills more frequently than the old Senate did. Uh, and it may be the case that the current prime minister didn't see through the, all the implications of the reforms that he was introducing and uh, as a consequence, he may have found the new Senate more difficult, more, more of a political headache than he reasoned it would be at the time he was proposing the changes back when he was in third place in the House of Commons. Yeah, we spoke actually to Alberta Senator Paula Simons not long ago about Bill S-7, which was one of those legislations that actually, I think, started uh, started debate in the Senate. So an interesting, uh, speaking of the relevance of it still. So is, is this new independent senator set up causing, in part, responsible for some of these delays in finding uh, candidates for these open positions? We don't know uh, fully the reasons behind uh, the failure to um, 
uh, fill these vacancies. It may be that the Trudeau reform plan overbuilt, uh, had too many moving parts, if you were. Uh, there's a national advisory committee which puts names before the prime minister, who then recommends to the governor general to appoint someone to the Senate. And that national body is complemented by provincial bodies that bring names forward to it uh, when there's a vacancy occurs in a particular province. So we have uh, inactive, uh, no committees operating in certain provinces. And so if, it, if the process isn't started at that level, it, there's a backlog develops at the national level. It may be that Trudeau isn't much interested in this machinery of government issue. He'd much rather be on overseas uh, trips uh, representing Canada abroad. He's had all the issues we spoke of early, pandemic, uh, Ukraine, inflation, all of those issues, which are far more important. And the prime minister has to allocate the scarce time that he has to certain issues. One of the things I worry about is that you allow these vacancies to accumulate and then suddenly someone reminds the decision makers in Ottawa that a lot of provinces have gone for months, if not years, without their full complement of senators. So you make a whole batch of them all at once. And then you've got a large batch of uh, new people in the Senate all trying to find their way in what's described as an independent nonpartisan Senate. So they don't take direction from party bosses anymore. They have to define how they'll play their role as senators all on their own. And that, that when you add that to the fact that the House of Commons um, among elected uh, legislatures in Western democracies has one of the highest turnovers in MPs for a variety of reasons. It means that we've got a lot of uh, fresh persons or fresh men and fresh women uh, serving in both halves of our parliament who are often don't understand with great depth of knowledge uh, uh, what goes on within government and the various policy fields. And that was the strength of the old Senate, whatever its problems. One of the strengths was due to committee studies, it often had a better grasp or individual members had a better grasp of certain policy issues. And finally, I would say on this point, there have been some very distinguished, highly accomplished individuals with no partisan background appointed under the Trudeau procedure. And they have been looking for ways to utilize their talents and their ideas in the Senate and they haven't had the full autonomy to do that. The prime minister's office, uh, as it's learned to cope with this less manageable Senate, has begun to try and tighten things up again. And, and that means that we're not getting the benefit, supposedly, of some fresh ideas that might be brought to the upper house. Which is a shame because I gather that was the whole the whole spirit of these changes was in fact to allow for more independent sober second thought. Paul Thomas is our guest this half hour. He's a professor emeritus of political science at the University of Manitoba. We're talking about the sheer number of Senate vacancies uh, existing right now. They are spread out across the country, uh, a lot of them west of uh, uh, Ontario and west, and just the impact that it's having uh, on uh, on the Senate's ability to do its work properly and to perform its function uh, properly. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more just about uh, what's next because. 
as as, as uh, Professor Thomas uh, mentioned, it, it is difficult to try and replace, uh, to fill so many vacancies all at once, especially under this new system. Uh, and we'll look at what lies ahead after that. My guest this half hour is Paul Thomas. He's a professor emeritus of political science at the University of Manitoba. We're talking about uh, just the sheer number of Senate vacancies that have built up over the past few years. It's been more than a year now, I think, since there has been an appointment to the Senate and uh, just the impact that's having. Because, of course, uh, the Senate, regardless of what you may think of it, and it does do some very good work, uh, when the provinces are not adequately representative, it, it is a it does leave a gap there. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. It will be tough to play catch up here because with this many vacancies uh, to fill them all at once uh, would cause a cause a logjam. What do you see happening in the near future? Do you see this being resolved or will it just get worse? Because I imagine there are more senators uh, hitting 75 ready to retire as well. Yes, there are uh, retirements pending. So there'll be more vacancies add to the number of slots to be filled. When the new reforms were introduced and there was a lot of publicity and fanfare about the changed Senate, uh, people uh, were nominated to serve, or, or uh, and in the second round, you could actually self-nominate. And the advisory committees putting names into the prime minister's office uh, had more applicants than they had positions available. I don't know what that's like today. I don't know to what extent the excitement surrounding the new Senate has waned somewhat, and people maybe are, are not as uh, aware of the opportunity to be become a, a senator through uh, applying to this new process. It may be that some of the criteria that are laid down by the national uh, by the government and the national committee that guides the appointment process are are too demanding for certain people. You have to have uh, bilingual capacity. You have to have knowledge of the parliamentary process. You have to have certain regional credentials and other things. So it may be that some people are are self-excluding themselves. They're not putting their names forward to serve in, in the upper house. Uh, And it doesn't help things when people already feel distant from Ottawa, especially people in Western Canada who have a sense that uh, their voices are not heard sufficiently in official decision making in the national policy process. Even though they ridicule the Senate and dismiss the Senate as unelected and unaccountable, it's still another bit of a symbolic slap in the face if a province goes unrepresented or underrepresented in the Senate for some period of time. Manitoba, the province in which I've resided most of my life, is down by one senator. But uh, but that's not as serious as some places where there are three or four senators who, who need to be appointed. And though, uh, Canadians may not appreciate the extent to which senators, not only in their public roles, examining bills, examining spending by government, conducting studies and so on, but also in the back rooms, uh, have uh, lobbied ministers to do things for their particular provinces. There's a sub- submerged level of representation that goes on through senators, which is barely seen by anyone and goes unrecognized unrecognized and unapplauded by by most people within the public. I have about a minute left here, but I mean, this, as, as you pointed out so correctly, this is not the sort of issue that raises a lot of public anger, specifically uh, in Western Canada. But should it? Should, should people be agitating for this representation? Because essentially they're being deprived of what's rightfully theirs. Yes, they are being deprived of representation. And, uh, you know, it, 
it it may be that Trudeau didn't think through and his advisors didn't think through seriously what would happen if we had a series of minority governments within the House of Commons, which made it more difficult for the government to get through its legislative and spending program. And then on top of that, you had a second upper house which didn't have a government majority within it and which the majority of senators were not whipped by a party whip. There was no party discipline and so on. So it complicates the overall policymaking legislative process in Canada. And it, it probably adds to the sense of alienation in the, the peripheries of the country, particularly where people feel this sense of psychological distance from what's happening in Ottawa, don't identify as strongly with the national government as they do with their provincial and local governments. That's been true in the polls for decades and decades and decades. But the Senate, if one of the perceived purposes of, of the reform Senate was to make people feel that the Senate mattered more and to make it more respected in the eyes of citizens across the country. And that may not be happening if the Senate's performance is impaired by the failure of the machinery of government to or, uh, wind up in action and fill some of these vacancies. I should just say that Overall, order and council appointments, which are Senate appointments, these are decisions made by cabinet on the recommendation of the prime minister, are almost always seriously backlogged in Ottawa. It just seems that these routine, mundane, operational matters don't command the attention they deserve if we want to have effective government operating in this country. Paul Thomas, thank you so much for your insight on this. I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure.